Good afternoon. I have the lovely Carol with me. Hi, Carol. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, first of all, I'll introduce myself as Carolyn Matthews because that's my pen name. And the reason for that is when I uh, first started writing in about 2010, uh, there, were, there was and still is a writer of romance novels called Carol Matthews. It's a different spelling, but there was no point in coming out the same name, too confusing. So I just added YN Carol. And there's only one T in my Matthews, so, so that's, there is a difference, but that's me. And um, I have written four novels. Um, the first three, um, well, the first one was supposed to be a standalone, Transforming Pandora, but it turned into a trilogy with squaring circles and Pandora's gift. Um, and um, in it, this is relevant because I want to talk about something else about the supernatural soon. Um, in the first one, um, Pandora took notes from a spirit who appeared to her. Um, so and it, it really informed what happened to her after that. Up until then, she hadn't really been interested in this so-called supernatural world. But she lost her husband, which she was careless of, wasn't it? But anyway, she, she died. <laughs> she went to a um, psychic medium in a group and she didn't have any luck, but he, but he did come to her in a dream after that. But, but after that, um, Enoch, um, a spirit appeared to her who spoke to her kind of, just words in her brain and then he said get some pen, pencil and paper or pen and paper and take down the dictation so um that's what she did so that's that's uh some people call it automatic writing but it's channeled writing and um, in the second one um she became a sound healer uh, this was later. Uh, this was later in her life, and um, um, that's what she decided to do. So that was interesting writing about that. Um, everything I had to, I wrote about. I had to do research for, which is very. It's very good for you if you do research in these sort of spiritual um, um, models or modules, or, um, because. It, it opens you up to all sorts of ideas. Um, and in the, in the last one, um, Pandora's Gift, she has a near-death experience. So that was also very interesting, researching other people's near-death experiences. So it would sound halfway authentic, you know, so that was good. Um, in the, the final one, I, it was a complete departure. This is Temple of Dreams, a novel of now and then, and that's partially set in ancient Greece. Now I'm not, uh, um, I didn't do classics. Well, I learned Latin at school, but it, it was weird the way it came about. Because at the time I was a member of a writer's group and um, every month we used to have to write a short story and somebody would give just a phrase at the beginning and we all had to write a short story using that phrase. When it was my turn, I was racking my brains. I didn't know what to say. But with my Catholic background, 
I had a picture of a, a priest in front of me somehow. Some, so I, I said, in the name of, now in the Catholic faith, it would be in the, it, crossing oneself, it would be in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. But it would, you, could, you didn't have to give them a whole sentence. So in the name of. And when I sat down to do it myself, because you all had to do it, the next word that came was, out of the blue, in the name of Zeus. So I wrote a short story, which is actually on my website. It's called A Fickle Mistress. Um, and it was all about the playwright Aeschylus, uh, father of Greek tragedy, having writer's block. <laughs> and he was actually, it was actually um, noted, recorded at the time. His phrase was, an ox sits on my tongue meaning nothing can come. In those days, they called them poets because um, it was, they wrote lyrics and there was a chorus and the chorus used to chant and sing the lyrics and lyrical from lyre. They used to use the lyre, that's the word comes from, obviously. And uh, so a, a poet, playwright, had to write music as well. You know, very, very skillful and if you and you had to present three plays to the um there was there was a um a competition i don't know if it was annual or every three years you see my research has fallen down then once upon a time i knew that but it's all you don't keep all of that in <laughs> and, and so anyway he had to write two tragedies they all did all the people entered the competition and one um what we would call a comedy. And um, so this is what the short story was about anyway. And it's called A Fickle Mistress because the muse, I think it's Calliope, you know, the talk muses, I think she's the muse of poetry, etc. which would cover that. Uh, the muse has deserted him. So I enjoyed doing that so much and I had to do a little bit of research, you know. Um, it was, uh, yeah, and I had a little, little book of um, Greek plays because when I was at college we had I had done drama was one of my subjects so I had this little book to refer to and it brought it all back to me how interesting it had been you know learning that the actors wore masks and they stood on blocks um, you know I wonder how they could have lifted their feet from the floor but and, and even dark there must have been different people who danced, surely. Anyway, the main, that's right, the main actors had these masks and these big drop shoes. And um, what I did then was wrote this Temple of Dreams, which is 25% set in ancient Greece. And that's about a healing college founded by a Greek professor in, in this country. And then one of the, the main protagonists said, he um, spends a night in the sanctuary, which is based on an Asclepion, which um, Asclepius was the Greek god of medicine. And they built a sort of miniature version of the Asclepion in the grounds of the, of the college. And, uh, he, and it's called um, Temple Sleep, hence Temple of Dreams. And after undergoing this temple sleep, he started to have dreams and he dreamt about the Greek young man about his age 
and uh, so their story sort of ran in parallel. So as you can see, I can't keep away from the supernatural. <laughs> Do you want to ask me anything else now so I can have a sip of water? <laughs> Um, did you always know that you wanted to write and what made you finally take the plunge and actually do it? Mm. Yeah. Well, yes, I, th I think so. I think I did. But uh, I went into teaching English language. And so I used to write plays for language learning, which is very different because you're only allowed to use certain vocabulary for certain levels of depends which level you're writing for and so it's very constraining you know um it was nice writing the plays because at least you could have something going on in the action but not in the vocabulary um so then i i um later on i i came to me when i was at yoga one day i wanted i want to join a creative writing course these things do come in and particularly, say, if you're doing something like yoga or doing a bit of meditating, you all get an idea out of the blue and you follow it, you know, go with it. Yeah. So I went to actually Birkbeck. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a part of London University, but they do things in the evening. It wasn't a degree. It was a course in novel writing. Just as I think, obviously, you do need to learn the craft a bit. And even if you just buy books, you know, I've got just to um to I, i'll just give you an example of the sort of rules that you get now i didn't get this in Birkbeck, but it's something it's called a series of rules for writers and elmore leonard he's quite a famous american isn't he so pithy and this is one of the rules Using adverbs is a mortal sin. Yeah. I know that now. <laughs> but you don't always know it when you start out, do you? You want to, you want to use as, as much uh, um, informative language as, as possible. Then we know that, I'm sure everybody knows this one, never use a verb other than said to carry dialogue. But it's a bit boring to do that, but... Um, so many authors have said don't do it. I suppose we've got to not say grumbled, gasped, cautioned, lied. We've got to make that obvious in other ways. And also never use an adverb to modify the verb said. He hates adverbs, doesn't he, Elmore? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like detailed descriptions of characters or places and things. So there. <laughs> so that sort of thing. Oh, it's best if you do, um, you know, learn that kind of thing. They didn't go on too much about that, but, but I have to say that um, we're, you're supposed to do the reading round. It. Anyway, um, um, now I forgot what you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> writing. When did I start writing? Yeah, well, I did start writing then because it was a novel writing course, and that's how transport transformative uh, sorry transforming pandora forgot the name of the book there for a moment uh, was born yeah and i really did enjoy that yeah um there there is a, a danger then that when you've written yourself out um 
you can't always get the energy up to start another book when you feel as if you've um you're not enjoying it anymore I don't know but um I'll wait and see Covid was a bit of a downer for me wasn't it because you don't get out and meet people you don't exchange things um can I start telling you about this um Claire eloquence that I've found out about over um, and the question I'd like to ask anybody who's listening um, are you bringing the energy of the supernatural into the process of your writing because let's face it when we sit down and write it's not all coming from us is it some of it is coming they, they say all writing is channeling, really, if you get into the right state of mind. And um, it's if you become, I think, if you become more conscious of it, um, it helps. Now, I know what they, we call them the Claire's, or anybody calls them the Claire's. You've got Claire Voyance, that's the most common one, isn't it? Clear seeing, Claire audience, Claire hearing. And if, if you were a reader, a psychic, uh, perhaps made your living by it, you'd know on your CV what you were because you, you know the definition of all these, you know. But I don't know what I was looking up the other day. I came across what's described as a newish one, and that's Claire Eloquence. And my antennae. Um, perked up then because what are we in the business of if not trying to be eloquent and I'm not talking about um, rhetoric you know people who are giving speeches political. I'm not talking about that sort of thing I'm talking about well I'll, I'll read you my definition of this because I couldn't find I couldn't find a suitable one so I've defined it Claire uh, eloquence is an extrasensory ability to speak or write precisely the right word or combination of words which resonate with the listener or reader on an inner level to give positive results to them, for them to get something out of it. This can be achieved through meaningful language of and or phonology. In other words, it might not just be the word you say that resonates with them or the group of words. I'm talking about on, the, on a deep level, not, on the, not just on a, um, an obvious level. And, but even hearing the sound of a word, the word you use can set off something in them on an invisible level. It's, it, I know it's all woo-woo, but you've got to believe it if you believe in any of the Claire's. Claire, and channeling is, is, is something that we believe in, most of us. So, um, so let's give, think of an example. Um, if, um, if you're just having a telephone conversation with a friend, um, and they bring up a subject and you just talk around it. It doesn't mean necessarily giving advice. It's not that at all. But if, if, you, if you're conscious of 
practicing this clear eloquence. You don't have to try hard with it, but you do have to let your words flow. And it might be that, that something you say to them will set off something in their inner processes to perhaps make them choose an option if they've got some options that's something they're not even talking about. Uh, or else um, they might have set an intention for something. So a lot of people do this these days. And if you read a book, one of the self-help books, you know, they'll say set an intention, then look out for the signs and signals. Now, they, uh, something you said, a word you said, it could have been the word of a country or, or anything, will mean something to them. It doesn't mean to you, but it might help them. I'm glad you're nodding because otherwise, <laughs> to me, it sounds like rubbish. But I know what I mean because I, I'm familiar with it now. The reason I've got interested in it and I'm going to do more research on it is because I feel I do it anyway with writing and also with speaking. And one of the tests, if somebody has got something from your words, is at the end of a conversation, they very often say, it's been good to talk to you. Yeah, it's a simple phrase, but not everybody says that. Because clear eloquence is as much in the listening as well. Very often, it might just be that that person just needed to say their own words. You see, so eloquent listening and just letting it flow. Because, and another, another way you have of gauging if you've already got it is if you find yourself saying words and you, you think, I don't know why I said that. And that's why I'm into this, because I know that very often I think, why did I say that? But if you started doing any, I don't mean in the sense when you've hurt somebody's feelings. I don't mean, oh, for goodness sake, why did I say that? I mean, right, yeah. But, but and the more you do it, the more you'll get it back. And the more intuitive you will become, which helps in every area of life, including writing and speaking. And as far as the writing is concerned, the reason I'm teaming it up, the reason I mentioned Elmore Leonard is because, because this speak or write precisely the right word or combination of words. And it seems to me that from these experts, readers don't particularly want you to be too wordy. And that's why it's all about editing, isn't it? You know, that's why we have editors, we have be readers, or, you know, um, for them to be honest and, and, and even having too many characters. And one of the things here, Sarah Waters says, don't overwrite, avoid redundant phrases, the distracting adjectives, the unnecessary adverbs. Beginners especially seem to think that writing fiction needs a special kind of flowery prose. This is a misapprehension about how the effects of fiction are produced. Yeah. <laughs> and there's another one I wanted to, if you don't mind, I'm not going on too long, am I? No, you carry on. Um, 
Annie Prue, she's another American short story writer, very, um, she's won accolades and awards and everything, short stories she does. And she says, rewrite and edit until you achieve the most felicitous, perfect, oh, the most felicitous phrase, stroke, sentence, stroke, paragraph, stroke, page, stroke, story, stroke, chapter. And that word felicitous, it reminds me of happy because uh, felicity means happiness, doesn't it, from the Latin. But it, it actually also means well-chosen, appropriate, congruous. So for me, that sums up the perfect clear eloquence for creative writing would be to do what this what Annie Prue has just recommended. So it, it it's it's good when you can get some sort of um, validation about a certain thing like clear eloquence when they're not actually talking they haven't put that label on it but you know that that's all part of it. Um, so, <laughs> this is anything else I wanted to, oh, yeah, I was thinking that um, because it's not an area that's been particularly explored, I was thinking I might try and write an article and if I wrote that article, I would call it Speak Easy, comma, Write Light. So that makes sense. I mean, Speak Easy is from the days of, of uh, prohibition. It's nothing to do with alcohol and going to get you know, It's not joined up, but I, um, I, I think you'd associate that with ease, speak with ease. Um, and the word grace often goes with ease. When you do things, they, they often say, do this with ease and grace. And then write light. I'm thinking of um, light. You know, the, when, when you see a light, it's usually something spiritual, very bright light. Um, in other words, this communication should be of benefit to the reader and the listener, even if they they don't know that's why you're doing it. And um, if you want to practice it, the um, chakra, you're familiar with the chakras? Chakras? Most people know about them. But you, you know, we've got more than seven now. At the moment, we've got 15 that are developed, that are fully developed. We, You've got, we've got a lot more chakras, but we're not fully operating with them. But the latest count is 15, but it's the good old throat chakra that is the seat of communication. And how do you open it? Well, you can, you can think of a blue light in your throat. You could wear a blue scarf. This one's got white hearts on it, which is uh, quite good because you could also connect it from your heart so um, I, this isn't my idea. I did find it somewhere and I think it was Tim Wilde, W-H-I-L-D. He's on Facebook and he does meditations and he's also got a um, 
he's got a website. So if you go on there or even on YouTube, if you want to find um, meditations for opening the throat chakra. But I, I, there is, the one I like is you start with your heart and just dwell on your heart chakra. Just think of, um, some people think of pink, white, white, gold. Um, try and make it shine very brightly. Then take it up to the throat. The throat is usually blue. Um, well, it is blue. Um, and uh, just flood that. Think of that white, it's the blue light shining very brightly. Um, and then why not take it up to the third eye, which is the seat of intuition. We've been talking about intuition. So that's also, a, that's an indigo. Um, so um, like the night sky and just go up and down if you're right with that. But um, this is if you want to prepare yourself before you write or even before you speak. You can't prepare yourself. You don't even know when the phone's going to ring. Do <laughs> you could do it at the beginning of the day. <laughs> but um no it's but it before you you always know you're going to sit down and write and i i think that why not why not do it why not invoke your guides and guardians um why not um invoke Cal calliope the muse of eloquence and um Epic poetry, actually, and eloquence. Uh, Hermes is also a patron of eloquence. I mean, if that doesn't um, rope, um, float the boat, there's always Angel Daniel, who's also, you know, or somebody, your guide and guardian, somebody or somebody else that you might be fond of invoking, you know, someone to help you. It's always, they're there to help. You've got to ask for it. So, you know, uh, it's why not as a preparation for writing to open your third chakra, which is the communication center. I think that's what I wanted to um, get across. <laughs> but I'm conscious of the fact that I'm sort of probably if if I wanted to tell you everything, I have to do a lot of moving of paper, so I don't want to bore you all with it. I. <laughs> You're going to do that, Donna. Uh, I would try. <laughs> I mean, you know, it can't hurt to try, so. Oh. Well, you see, communication, you're in the business of communication, aren't you? I am now, yeah. <laughs> well, you are until you start your, your, your course of study back again. But... Um, you, with all this that you were doing, you were definitely in the business of communication. <laughs> yeah, well, I work in retail as well, so I have to speak. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, if there's anything um, more that you want to tell us, you're more than welcome. Or if there's anywhere that, um, if anyone's interested, they can find out more, then to let them know. Okay. Well. Um, yes. Um, I think um, I will probably write uh, an article of some kind and put it up in more detail if anybody's interested. Um, I've got a website. It's Carolyn. If you type in Carolyn Matthews author, author, for some reason, you have to do it twice or else it goes somewhere else. Uh, 
uh, I have got a website. It, it, you know, eventually I will put something about it up on there. But it, at the moment, it's still cooking. So, uh, but, but um, or I've got a, a Facebook author page, Carolyn Matthews author. So eventually something will go up on there. But in the meantime, this is still a nice book. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, Temple of Dreams, a novel of now and then. And where can people get those if they want? Anywhere, them? anywhere. But it's on Amazon. Um, any anywhere at all? Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Donna, for having me. You're very welcome. <laughs> bye bye.